Welcome to ATRA, Voices from the Field. This sustainable agriculture podcast is presented by the National Center for Appropriate Technologies ATRA Sustainable Agriculture Program with support from the USDA Rural Business Cooperative Service. Hi, this is Rich Myers with NCAT. In this episode, Martine Garana, a sustainable agriculture specialist from NCAT's Western Regional Office in Davis, California, speaks with Alex Ellison of Castle Rock Farm in Walnut Creek, California. The conversation includes a description of the operation, as well as the initial results and challenges from Castle Rock's trials in solarization and bisolarization. Alex also describes the COVID-19 pandemic's effects on the farm. Also, please take a few minutes after the podcast to complete a survey about what you thought. Your feedback really helps us improve our podcasts. The link to the survey is in the notes that accompany the podcast. The discussion took place at a roadside stand, so you'll hear some traffic go by every once in a while, but stick with it. The conversation is well worth it. Let's listen. Hi, this is Martin Garana with the National Center for Appropriate Technology at Castle Rock Farms in Walnut Creek, which is uh, Contra Costa County. I'm here with the farmer, one of the partners, Alex Allison, that will um, describe his operation. And uh, we ran some solarization um, trials on his plot, which is still in process, but he did some additional um, experiments on his own. So Alex, if you can take it away. Um, okay, let's see here. We're um... We're, I guess, a small farm, I guess a large market, I don't know, a market garden, I guess, diversified market garden, you'd call us. Um, it's about, what, five acres? It's on a five-acre parcel with the house okay. included on the on the land um, and several buildings, several trees. And so there's probably about three acres that's cultivatable or, or usable, and we have right now about an acre in production. Um, Can you describe the crops that you... That you grow, yeah. So you kind of your typical stuff. Um, lots of tomatoes, squash, cucumbers, that kind of thing. Of course, in the summertime, um, and then in the shoulder seasons, when we can, we really like to have a lot of uh, like baby leafy greens. We've got a whole post-harvest station that's devoted towards pro- you know dealing with and washing and um, sorting out all of our baby leafy greens. So we got spinach and arugula, kale, mustard greens, um, and then we've also got a well-rounded mix um, throughout the seasons. We've got the from broccoli to melons, peppers, and everything we can. So quite a cornucopia. Yeah. So, um, and and can you describe your, your marketing approach? Yeah, so one of the things that's really cool about this farm is that it's located right in the heart of the neighborhood, kind of the suburban neighborhood of Walnut Creek, tucked in here at the base of Mount Diablo. And we're just in walking distance, really, of so many people, um, which I think is pretty unique. I mean, we, we, so, you know, with that in mind, we've kind of prioritized sort of just the farm stand on the premises, which is kind of maybe different than typical. You're typically going to the farmer's markets, you may be reaching out to restaurants, for us, we, we decided to really just prioritize, you know, having people come to us, which has been quite 
quite good, quite successful. Yeah. So it's it's a, a roadside stand, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah, it's interesting. This this parcel is in this neighborhood, this residential neighborhood, but it's actually zoned agricultural, which allows us and permits us to have the farm stand without any extra, you know, paperwork and whatnot. Yeah. So it's been great. Yeah, it's been great. So you also did some marketing besides the roadside stand, correct? You would sell to restaurants or to Yeah, we were starting to reach out this year. And of course, with what's going on with the um, shutdown. The COVID, yeah. That's been just put on hold and we really, you know, had no success at all. But it, it was okay because we, we, with the kind of, with the whole shutdown, we kind of seemed to have gained quite a bit of just... Uh, it just seemed Clients. to change. Yeah, it seemed yeah. to have changed people's mindset quite a bit, or you know, just how they thought about food, especially when they have a farm so close to them and kind of visible to them. They're like, "Oh, maybe we can just go check it out." And so that was interesting. We had a, quite a large influx of of new people that I don't think we otherwise would have. So you saw that your your clientele increase. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and mostly from the neighborhood, right? Because yeah, I mean, yeah, we had a few weeks of just um, maybe some social media promotions, and then just quite simply word of mouth just spread around and we got pretty good momentum yeah great so one of the projects that um, we at ANCAP been doing here is this um, solarization um, project and biosolarization um, basically uh, for weed control looking at you know um, heating the soil up uh, which is the solarization moist soil and then the biosolarization consists of incorporating organic matter into it. The solarization process normally takes um, about a month, uh, in some places a little longer. Um, whereas a biosolarization plots, um, I think we kept them for 10 days, maybe a little more than that. Right now, um, we really can't see the, the results because of... Um, while well, the fall planning um, is just going to start, and he really um, hasn't irrigated the ground that we <clears throat> that we put the plots in, so we can't tell what's coming up and what's not. But he did, Alex did do um, some projects on his own, looking at um, tarp or flat fumi fumigation or solarization, actually, with uh, what was the dimensions of the. Of the plots, um, each piece of plastic it was I think it's twenty eight by fifty times two, so it's base it's pretty much fifty by fifty. Okay, yeah. okay, so pretty pretty big area. So can you explain your 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 results and what experiences you yeah um, entailed so far? So I guess to start, I just didn't understand how important it was to get a UV coated piece of plastic so I bought a cheaper just a four mil piece put that on and thought I was doing well but that just that didn't that sort of just disintegrated pretty quickly um with, within just the couple months that I was on there so that was a big mistake um so then I got another piece I got the six mil uv protected piece much better um having a thicker piece just with that large of an area was um kind of something I noticed was very good because it's so large and it's kind of heavy um it's easy and prone to tearing from just so many things so you know that six yeah. mil really helped yeah um yeah what else oh yeah and then i learned you know it's very important to bury the edges <laughs> yeah you, you want a complete seal to prevent yeah. the moisture and the 
and the heat basically from escaping at night. Yeah, so I guess the first two sections out of the four that I did, I didn't really bury them, but it was really hot. So I did have some, I think I, I, I do see some kind of mitigation. Mm -hmm. um, I think it could have been maybe better. You know, obviously if we just had buried them, we would have trapped the heat and the moisture and then potentially had some of the biofumigation that you're talking about. But um, it still did some mitigation. Um, not completely though. I do have some pressure from, I guess, the rhizomous stuff. Yeah. Uh, like the, the vine weed. Yeah. Lots um, of grasses. Yeah. Field vine weed or morning glory. Mm -hmm. And um, also net sedge, yeah. which um, are pretty persistent. Um, and, and, and other experiments that have been repeated have shown those two mm -hmm. um, species of weeds been resistant to it. Now, can you explain a little bit? Don't forget the curly dock. That was interesting oh, yes. too. You know, that curly really dock. deep rooted carrot like root yeah. kind of thing it's just like doesn't turn die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially if it's um, left over from yeah, the, I think, the other. I think I rototilled it just to try to get everything just, just cut the tops, but yeah, left and the root. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's so it, re-sprouted. It comes back stronger, yeah. yeah. Also, I noticed in one area that you still have covered um, that while now we're in um, early fall and it's still hot, but it's getting uh, more shady. And I noticed uh, purslane mm. and nutsedge um, growing under the plastic there. Can you yeah. talk about that? Yeah. Um just seems like it really just thrives and I'm a little bit confused because it does I've done the temperature checks and it does get when it was hot you know in the 90 in yeah. the 90s hundreds low 100 ish triple digit stuff it was um easily 100 over 120 130 degrees and uh, on the surface there and so I guess that personally and just doesn't you know, right I don't know what's well, a warm season crop and actually it's probably confused right now because <laughs> yeah um, it's, uh, as soon as you take that plastic off, it's going to start getting cooler and that's yeah. probably going to be the end yeah, of that. Yeah, I, I think I did notice that. Um, it's yeah. just, it just doesn't look too, like it likes it very much anymore. And so what I did though, is I came in and I think I, it was pretty, um, for the stuff that I had dealt with, it was pretty like unde underdeveloped mm -hmm. part personally. Stunted. So real, yeah, yeah, real simple to just go in and quickly flame weed, which I did for everything. I, I came back and I flame weeded and then... For the vine weed and the stuff, I mean, I can't, we came in and we spent a week or maybe it's, this is our second week just yeah. hand pulling everything, Yeah, which has been fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, if, you know, if, if um, that uh, treatment wouldn't have happened, you still would have had that, that, yeah, for that sure. problem. Yeah. And um, right now, um, we haven't had any rain. He has irrigated some stuff, but um, one thing to look at will be for your winter weeds and see what... Um, what emerges mm -hmm. and because um, you know you're going to have a different set of, of weeds compared to the summer weeds mm -hmm. um, things like mustard and then your annual um, winter grasses that you know are like your wild oats or your wild barley um, various uh, grasses like that which um, should be affected also your broadleaf uh, cool season crops things like um, you know your mustards and your wild radishes and things like that so um yeah that's something we'll we'll keep an eye on so overall what would you um say did it um help you with your weed stand with um reducing at least some of your weeds yeah it seems to have because we it's hard to say because what happened was this summertime we just quite simply didn't deal with it properly we're still learning a lot here and and um 
we just it, a lot of it went to seed, right? Yeah. So there's like this. Yeah, I think it did, but I don't know because we just sort of didn't have like a good baseline. There's so much that went to seed. There's right. so much just going on. So I'd like to say though it did because if you look at what we have, we don't have pressure except for the things that have shown right resistance to, to. resistance. So we've got yeah. just the morning, uh, you know, the vine weed and the curly dock stuff and some of the purslane which is really simple to deal with right and so yeah i would say you know we've got a little bit of weird pressure from the sides we've got some of the grasses yeah. kind of on the edges but mm -hmm. we don't really see them in the middle too much right so yeah i would say yeah so you also had a problem with deer coming in and um you know puncturing the plastic mm -hmm. correct yeah and that's been really persistent because you're the only source of food for them in the surrounding area so yeah. and we, we just sort of yeah just yeah you put up deer fencing and electrified it yeah and it's still um they're still coming in um and it's a major challenge because it's an urban area so you can't deal with them um, mm -hmm. like uh you would in a rural area um shooting them yeah yeah, well, we had the game warden down here, and he said, hey, I want you guys to shore up these these things, and if it still persists and you guys are still taking damage, then, yeah, maybe we can have a tag, but we can only have one doe. We can't have any. And yeah. it's like, do we even need to go that route? We can really try to we can really try to mitigate it. Well, uh, maybe you can sell venison, too, on the side. Well, they said, no, you can't do that, actually. <laughs> if you uh, if you do that, if you just... I forget what the vocabulary was, but... Yeah. Um, if you get a tag... Dispatch? Or, yeah, if you, just, if you get a tag to dispatch a doe, you you're prohibited from eating it. I guess to prohibit overdoing that. I right, don't know. Right. He's very yeah, well, serious about that. <laughs> interesting um, problem here, especially kind of in a suburban um, farm, but the deer pressure is great. And we're, and we're at the foot of Mount Diablo, which is a major landmark in the state, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and it is open land and rural in a way, but um, we're really close to uh, the Bay Area and um, easy access to, you know, Oakland and San Francisco. So, anyhow, any um, um, pointers or advice you'd like to give to other small-scale farmers regarding your marketing or your solarization well, I issue? Think, I mean, that's a, yeah. They're, Big broad um, talking about the weeds, though, I think it's just something that we kind of knew we had to deal with um, and just sort of didn't respect it. And I think at first, mm -hmm. and I think we're paying kind of paying for it now where you just have to deal. You, you just have to go out and be diligent with with some of these things and attack it from every single which way you can. And we've got we're out there with the flame leaders um, after the solarization, which has been something that we just implemented. I, I, I aim to do it for another, at least another season and really see how that goes yeah. and just by just being diligent. And I think we can really um, get this problem solved, but it's just going to take some diligence yeah. and time. Um, so yeah, just come at it with every which way and, and every tool that's at your disposal. And just, yeah. So we'll be monitoring this closely and, um, you know, include some of these um, pictures and results in our um, upcoming publication on biosolarization and solarization, which, you know, I'll update um, probably by the end of the year or early next year, 2021. Anyhow, well, thank you, Alex. It's been um, a pleasure working with you. Um, we're actually here in the farm stand with um, a lot of uh, still summer produce here, some um, mm -hmm. 
cucumbers and peppers and eggplant. Well, ready to go to our next, our next spot. Thanks. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Atra, Voices from the Field. Please share this podcast if you can, and take a moment to leave a comment and subscribe. That really helps us get the word out about our sustainable agriculture programs. Also, don't forget to take a few minutes to complete the survey to let us know what you thought. We do appreciate it. For more information on this topic, you can contact Martine Garana directly via email at marting at ncat.org. And check out all of our sustainable agriculture resources at the ATRA website, www.atra.incat.org. The links are in the notes that accompany this podcast. We'll catch you next week, and until then, keep on farming.